Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Tonight, as we contemplate and consider the blessed suffering of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for our sins, we not only encounter the knowledge of the depth of God's love, but we also find God himself, the Holy Spirit, at work in us to change our hearts, to restore unto us the protection and the comfort of knowing that all is finished in Christ. For if our sins remain before God the Father, who of us could stand? Who would believe that we actually had entrance into heaven? None of us. But we contemplate what Jesus suffers in this Lenten journey, in all his members, from his head to his hands and feet, to even his life, where he encountered the disgrace of having to endure at every corner of his ministry those who would oppose him, those who would call him a blasphemer, those who would compare him and call him Satan, those who would say that he could do no good thing or teach anything right. And even now, having considered this for just moments, it should be enough that we should sever every affection that we might have to sin, that we should mortify all passions of our flesh. For whatever attachment we might have to our sin, however little or insignificant we might think it is, that should and must be severed. For it is Christ who pays it. We have a God who dwells among us. It's not a God foreign to us. It's not a God far away. God has promised to dwell with you. And so I ask, where is God dwelling It's not in a temple made by human hands. It is in the heart that he has fashioned. It is in the heart that he himself has made new in the waters of holy baptism. It is the heart that he has rent open and made truly sorrowful over sin. That is where you will find him dwelling. You will find him in the one who is contrite, the one who is sorrowful. He draws near like a great physician to bind up that broken spirit, to pour upon it the balm of his love in the forgiveness of sins. For our souls are truly sick, and the very sickness of our soul, which is the overflowing baskets of sin that any one of us at any moment could heap and pile just taking sins from our very conscience this night. We could gather them all up. But yet, for what reason would we do so? If we had no place to go, those sins would drive us to despair. But tonight, again, God meets us. In sincerity and truth, he draws near so that those who come to him 
with the genuine repentance and sincere and true inner sorrow can take these sins which bother their conscience, terrify them, and pour them all out at his feet so that they are removed, gone, atoned for. The blots, all marks which stand against us are blotted out in Christ. It is a very scary thing to know God only by means of his righteousness. But we have a God who has revealed himself in mercy and righteousness. The righteousness of God, as we learn from the scriptures, is an all-consuming fire that can come upon the unrepentant sinner and consume them so that they are brought to suffer eternal death. This is what Jonah knows about his God. This is what Jonah even hopes his God does to the Ninevites. But Jonah was stuck in hypocrisy. Having just been a great recipient of God's grace and mercy, he did not keep that in the front of his mind. He goes to Nineveh at the word of the Lord in order to see their destruction, even while proclaiming the word of the Lord. His hope was not that they would turn and repent of their sin. He wanted the Lord to deal with Nineveh according to his great righteousness and not according to his mercy. How? How could he so easily forget what God had just done for him? How could he have so quickly lost sight of how God in mercy had let him live instead of die? It is often in our human hearts that we still have some hardness that desires a person to get what they have coming to them. But God does not give what we have coming to us. At least not in his voice of mercy. There he gives to us what we would not expect. Forgiveness. He gives to us his love. And he teaches us that he does not rejoice over the death of the wicked. Think about it, just a few days before Jonah's entry into Nineveh, where was he? He was fleeing to Tarshish from the Lord. And did he not, in that time on that boat, for at least a short period, fear the Lord's righteousness himself? Did he not believe that in drowning, having been cast over, And in drowning, he would receive what was coming to him. He knew that God was right and just in pursuing him. In pursuing him with the wind and the waves and the harsh storm that had overtaken them. That is why Jonah commands them to throw him overboard. To let the Lord deal with him and his wickedness. And to Jonah, God showed mercy. 
after he had ripped Jonah's heart open and made him clear that he was the transgressor who had fleed from the Lord and his word. He comes to that broken-hearted man who is willing to suffer death on account of his sin and in his mercy absolves him. He sends a giant fish to swallow him, and after three days he is spit out upon the shores of Nineveh. The time of Jesus, there were those who considered themselves to be less sinners than those who were around them. There was a time even at Jesus when he walked this earth, That he was around those who knew what God's righteousness demanded, but they had believed that they possessed it and they did not fear God's wrath over sin. They were what we call secure sinners. They believed that God would give them all good things because of their works. In their hearts did not dwell the great physician that we have just talked about, but in their hearts dwelled rather a merchant who was there deceiving them into thinking they could in fact buy God's favor, buy eternal life and entrance into heaven. We read about this in Luke's gospel. The Holy Evangelist records in chapter 13 these words of Jesus. It says there were some present at that very time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them. Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No. I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Don't you see? We cannot consider ourselves less of an offender because we have Christ. We are perhaps even more of an offender because we as Christians bear the name of Christ and yet we still go and do what we should not do. And so this night we are reminded that you are dust. And to dust you shall return. Consider your frailty and your mortality. Consider your life this evening. Who are you living for? Where is your treasure? Because where it is, there you will also find your heart. Christ has promised that when he returns on the last day, he will raise the dust. In glory he shall come to judge the living and the dead. There is a resurrection to eternal life and a resurrection to eternal judgment. He does not desire that you should join those who go to eternal judgment. He wishes for you to be with him. And so he grants forgiveness and mercy. And so this Lenten journey for you, for me, for every Christian around the world is so important. Because it is a time for us to reconsider our spiritual disciplines. 
to give intense focus to how we approach the Word of God, to think about our prayers. For by God's Word and by prayer, that is how we resist temptation. It is a time for us to examine our hearts, to bear them open, to let nothing be hidden from the Lord so that he may sanctify our hearts with his pure word and fill us with life. For the Lord is merciful and he draws near to the impoverished heart and he heals it, he binds it up with the good things the life-giving blood of Jesus. When God relented of that disaster he was going to bring upon Nineveh, Jonah was not happy. In Jonah chapter 4, it records that he was displeased, that he wished to die, that he was angry. And Jonah says that he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country. That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Jonah's faith was confused at best. He knew who his God was. And yet he was angry at God's mercy for another person. We cannot have that sort of a heart among us. In this community, in this world, there are hard-hearted people, secure in their sin. But we cannot be so self-righteous to think that they are outside the kingdom of God forever. We must bring to them this word in hopes that they would repent and be brought into Christ's kingdom of grace. Here in Nineveh, God brings you to see something very special, something that your reason cannot comprehend. For from Jonah... And from our perspective, God is patient to a fault. He lets evil exist. He lets evil persist. But it was and is always in a hope of repentance. Luther writes, God is good, but not as human being. For the very bottom of his heart, he is inclined to help and do good continually. He is not given to anger or inclined to punish, except where necessary and where persistent and penitent and stubborn wickedness compels and drives him to it. A human being would not delay punishment and restrain anger as God does. He would punish a hundred thousand times sooner and harder than God does. And so though many would do us wrong in this life, though this world gives you many reasons to be angry and upset, the people on this planet right now, each and every one of them, 
is one for whom Christ Jesus shed his blood. Every one of them, from every child in the womb of his mother, to every old person who has been cast aside and forgotten, God has died for them. Our hope should be that they, in repentance and in sorrow over their sin, receive the healing grace of God in the forgiveness of their sins. It would be far too easy for us to conclude that repentance is not enough. But that is if we consider repentance as being our work. That's what Jonah believed. But what Jonah could not see with his eyes was what God was doing in the heart. God, who by his Holy Spirit, through that word which Jonah proclaimed, changed that heart to make it the heart that would receive Christ. For they were dead in their sins and trespasses, but he made them alive in his spirit. God brought them to turn from their sin and the mourning of their deeds And then they repented. They donned sackcloth and ashes in the hope of God's mercy, knowing that they had nothing to offer God in replace of their life and in replace of all their sins. Should God so hopefully accomplish that beautiful work in each one of our hearts tonight and this entire Lenten season, that we should mourn as the Ninevites did all our sins and sever ourselves from it with such sincerity as they did, holding the fast, not eating or drinking if it is necessary for us in order that we consider the severity of what we have done. But remember this, that God is a God who is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Tonight, you have not only received the forgiveness of your sins, but in this very forgiveness, there God has also made himself to dwell. And I pray that he has awoken in you that fire that you would Consider doing every good and wonderful act of mercy. That you supplement your faith with virtue as St. Peter has spoken. Because the Lord has prepared so much for you to do. Every good and wonderful work he has set before you. And because you have received so much from the Lord, much more than gold or silver, but that very precious, holy innocent suffering and death of his son. You have every reason in the world to give and to give of Christ's love. Be filled with the fire of God's love to abound in those works of mercy and do not be angry with God. For he will give faith to those who were once hardened and sin. And yet that is our fervent prayer. For we have first received his mercy, that we also might show others that mercy. We pray for God's love to abound around us. So begin here this night. Consider those who sit around you, 
Care for them. Care for those you work with. Care for those who share your home and table. Teach all who will listen the fear and love of the Lord, so that with great hope we might share in godly lives here in time and also there in eternity. For though these ashes remind us of our mortality, we are reminded that God raises up from the dust. And he has prepared for us something far greater than what we have on earth. For in his divine mercy, he has prepared a resurrection to eternal life. And what is mortal shall take on immortality. And we shall be made like Christ. And we shall live a new life in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.